my career in life was very much directed by my passion and my love for my children and my family as God has given them to me as a gift to raise This is your Badass Journey podcast. I am Kareen Walsh, serial entrepreneur, growth strategist, executive leadership coach, and best-selling author. Each week, I will bring you a guest or a thought that will help you align what you love with what you do in order to build that badass life and business you dream of. Welcome everybody to your Badass Journey podcast. Today, I have an extra special guest. And yep, you guessed it because it's Mother's Day. I wanted to bring who I consider the OG of badassery, my mom, onto today's show. This is a very fun interview for me because you'll get to see some insight about how literally I am uh, an apple that has not fallen too far from the tree. If any of you have had the pleasure of reading my book, Be a Badass, Six Tools to Uplevel Your Life, I do share some of my journey, lessons learned, um, mindset shifts that went through being raised by my mom and how it has impacted and shaped my world. Uh, but truly wanted to shine a light on the relationship we have today and share it with all of you. What I love about our conversation today is that we talk about the CEO of the household role and how important it is to recognize what it really means to be a mom, in her case, a single mom for many years of three very strong women that she raised us to be. And also make sure you take care of yourself along the way and um, go after the path that you're set to have while managing that household relationships you're in and all the external things that happen to us every day. So I hope you enjoyed today's conversation. It was a real joy to have my mom on the show. And uh, yeah, if it makes you laugh, if it, if it creates any sort of inspiration, let us hear from you. Feel free to go ahead and snap a picture of listening to this podcast on whatever device you're listening on and um, post it on Instagram. Tag me at Kareen Z. Walsh and let me know what your takeaways are. Or even if you're, if you're willing to take two minutes and post a review, it really goes a long way for more listeners to have access to these conversations. And as always, I appreciate you listening and I appreciate you subscribing and sharing this with your community. You are why I put these shows out every week. And so thank you for being part of the conversation and continuing to support us. Now let's jump into the conversation with my mom. Happy Mother's Day. Welcome to the show, Mona. Well, thank you so much, Karim. <laughs> it's such a pleasant, pleasant occasion for me to be with you. <laughs> Mother's Day is special because you and your sisters make me a very proud mother. It's so much fun to be able to share you, mom, with with my listeners because I always say, you know, the apple doesn't fall from far from the tree, which <laughs> means that, you know, there's so much of you in me. And um and I just felt like having a dialogue in this way would not only shine a light on your story, which is a true badass one, but also show uh, folks how you know relationships are built. Because I know that you and I have a strong focus on relationship building. It's how we've True. really done everything. And I know I learned that from you. Uh, but before we get into the discussion, um, some of the questions I have, I want to ask a few short questions just to give listeners a little bit about your background. Okay. All right. Go cool. for it. Cool. So where were you born? I was born in uh, Nablus, Palestine. Uh, my parents are Palestinians. My father is from Jerusalem. And at that time, they were living in Jerusalem. And my mom delivered me in my grandparents' home. Unfortunately, uh, that year, that same year, we became refugees into Lebanon. 
So I uh, was raised in uh, Lebanon, educated uh, through schools and uh, university. And so the year that you were born and shortly after then had to move to Lebanon as refugees. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about the story of your actual birth and that time um, for your mother. Well, my mother, it was a war, actually. There were bombardments going on. It is the year of the creation of the state of Israel. It is a fact in history. And I was born under bombardment. And I, her story is that she grabbed me and took me under the bed. So primal fear was innated in me through the incidents. And when I was 40 days old in Jerusalem with my father being asked to leave peacefully, he packed us up and put us on a truck, uh, my older sister and myself, and took the journey uh, fearfully, I would say, um, courageously. Uh, through Jordan, into Syria, and into Lebanon. And the reason he went to Lebanon is he knew there was a school there that he used to teach in uh, before 1945 as a teacher in the American Mission School. So one of the fortunate things for us is that my dad Uh, was able to find shelter and we did not end up in a refugee camp per se. So we did have a roof over our heads and uh, our family was intact, but we had no relatives in the country. So our family unit was our safety and security. But we lived on a school campus and we had a community of neighbors that became brothers and sisters, aunts and uncles to all of us as we celebrated uh, different holidays together or vacations together. So that gave us a sense of extended community and gave us the openness and receptivity of any other that comes into our lives. Uh, One of the things, Kareem, that I find very intriguing in my life is that I lived in the boys' school and crossed over to the girls' school over a bridge. So it gave me a very unique outlook on how girls are treated and where they end up and how guys are treated and where they end up. And that gave me a very unique view into my own ambitions and life and what I wanted to accomplish. Yeah, I, I, I know one of the, the main things that you instilled in us growing up was to get an education. And tell us a little bit about how you pursued your education in order to find your path in, in success or, or achievement you know, that, that happened for you. Because it was different. It is definitely different especially your generation and as well as in the country you're living in, how boys were treated different than girls. And it's really still a relevant topic today, even across the world. True. I would love to hear your version of how you navigated education for yourself. Well, one of the things that my parents invested in me, and I heard it often in our household, is the fact that there's nothing material that we can give. We have nothing. All what we make is we spend on you. We were five children, three girls and two boys, and uh, my parents. So that's seven individuals that needed to be fed and, uh, and taken care of with a teacher's salary, which is today they're even struggling with that teacher's salary doesn't go too far. So having said that, they kept telling us, your education is, your, is investment in you. They can take your home away. They can ta- take your land away. But what you invest in yourself, it, no one can take away. And that will give you the strength, the resilience to survive in this world. So that gave me uh, a uh, path that the more I invest in myself, the better opportunities I can have for myself first and then to help my own siblings to get to where uh, their potential uh, would be, being one of the eldest uh, in the family. 
So I carried that burden is I want to help my family and not have them suffer uh, the way my parents had to navigate through their lack of where would they were. Now, in uh, the country I come from, I would say this to you as a story, just to make a point, is that when I was in sixth grade in a, one of the best schools in Lebanon and uh, the best American system being applied, we were 42 girls. And the girls, by the time we graduated, which is 12th grade, we were only 13 girls. The rest were married off. And many of them, it's just to them and the culture we were living in, is that if they could read and write and have enough education, they marry them off and then the husband will take care of them. And they do not need to consider any other path like in business or in any other career. Well, I was very determined that I was not going to be one of those, that I was going to get my education and that no matter which way um, I was challenged. And of course, I had faith at the time. So I prayed a lot that God would open opportunities in front of me. And I took risks, calculated risks. I skipped two classes. So by the time I graduated high school, I was 16 years old, which is young, uh, considering all the other factors I just mentioned. But I took my own responsibility. My parents, uh, although they wanted me to stay home and be a teacher or a secretary, I totally went against their wishes. And I was like a salmon going against the current trying to get my higher education. Would you like me to go into the scholarship? Uh, Yeah. So what I just want to point out is, you know, the determination at such a young age. And one of the things um, even related to my story and how, how we came to the U S and you were pregnant with me at that time, you know, uh, it's it's interesting as you're sharing your story of how your parents ingrained into you, like everything we have could be gone tomorrow. So like get your education, go after what it is you want and, and created a drive within you. You know, I know I totally have that myself and it's really cool to see the generational pass down of that energy um, and, and how you go after it. So I just wanted to point that out because I, but because that's part of that apple doesn't fall far from the tree. It's like I'm really yes. appreciative that 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 lesson was passed down from your parents to you and from you to me through that the generational line. And what I and also the fact that as a young girl and exceeding in education and really being driven to graduate by 16. I mean that is a young age to be exploring what's next. So. Yes. Tell us about how you then pursued college. Well, living in a boys' school, as I said earlier, gave me uh, an outlook on men being sent to colleges and then to places in the workforce that was uh, in leadership all the time. And uh, from a young girl, I had leadership traits that I couldn't explain to myself. It was innate that people were attracted to the things that I am interested in or I've created. And they want to join in or follow my path. So when I decided that I I wanted to go to college, there was no money. There was no sustenance from my parents. They said, we can't send you. We have four other mouths to feed at home and we don't have savings. So what are you going to do about it? Well, I took a very uh, different route uh, that most people would not even consider is uh, at that time alone, I took a taxi and then a car and then another bus and another taxi and made myself from Sidon, um, which many people might know as the biblical Sidon in Lebanon, and took myself up to Beirut, which is the capital where the universities were, and went to, uh, took another transportation to college and sat in front of the registrar of that college. I said, I want to come here. What must I do to come and be part of this college? And she looked at me and she ended up to be... a, a 
uh, I don't know, circumstances or there are no coincidences that she knew my parents through her brother in the school where I was learning. So she called my mother and told her, do you know that your daughter is sitting here in front of me? And my mother was shocked that I was already sitting there and trying to get my application in. That was the kind of determination. And I was like a horse with the, uh, you know, with the uh, blinders on just looking to go in that direction. There is no distraction for me. I was so determined that step by step, I'm going to get there. And they gave me full tuition. And then I asked my aunt, I asked my parents, I, uh, you know, collected for room and board. The first year, uh, first semester, I was on the dean's list. I was surprised by that. But that also gave me uh, an input that maybe I can accomplish more. And being those who were helping me said, we can't do it anymore. Uh, someone told me that the American embassy has a scholarship that it gives to two Lebanese. And being by that time, we had the Lebanese identity uh, they said, go apply there and see what happens. So I did. I did apply to USAID and uh, took a summer job at the American University Hospital to collect money to pay if I don't make it. So, uh, and my mother kept calling me, said, come home, come home. You can't be this. You can't do that. Come back home. And I wouldn't listen. I was so determined. Now, my persistence uh, was also backed up by faith. I must admit that because I did receive a call, the first call, uh, Karine, and this is a story I don't know if I've told you, is I received the first call and say, you did not get the scholarship. And I was so brokenhearted. They, they gave it to two others because they had connections and I had none. I was just pulling myself up with my bootstraps. So uh, I called my mother and I just poured my heart out to her. And for the first time, I felt like my mother heard my broken heart, but she couldn't do anything about it. So she said, again, come home. So I said, no, I'm going to pay my deposit. I'm going back to the uh, college that I am in. And I work three jobs. I'm getting my education. The next day I went and paid my savings uh, that I collected that summer and was determined that I'm going to, in the fall, be there. The third day I get a call from the same officer who called me and said I did not get it. And these were his words, Karim. I don't know who you know. I don't know who your connections are, but I got from the highest authority above me to give you the scholarship. In the history of this scholarship for 25 years, we've never given it to three people. Your name is added in pencil. And my immediate response is, don't make fun of me. Don't ridicule me. He said, Muna, you are invited to a meeting on Monday to meet the other two candidates that got the scholarship. I sat down disbelieving. I called my mother, who was the only one I talked to about my predicament. And she, I said, who did you talk to? Who do you know? She said, this lady called me yesterday, who was our old neighbor, and asked about you. And, uh, and I told her your story because uh, it was fresh in my mind. And it turned out this lady is the sister of one of the deputies, a member of parliament running for election in our district. And because I was turning 18, he wanted my vote. So, <laughs> so here I am, uh, you know, so she told her my story and my frustration. It happened that evening. He was the guest of honor at the American ambassador's residence and was seated at his right hand. So the, the member of parliament shared my story with the ambassador. The ambassador Friday morning came back to work and said, hey, you guys, what is $5,000 in your budget? If this girl is so dying to have her education, give her the scholarship. And that's how I got my scholarship for three years. They picked my major. I did not pick it up. I said, anything you give me the scholarship in, I will study. 
because my entrance, my TOEFL and entrance exam was arts and sciences. I could major in anything I wanted. It was business administration. And that kind of was what I needed in my life later uh, to be very well versed. So that's the story of determination, of believing, of, of not giving up on your dream. Uh, is going with the potential and always give yourself hope that there is something out there for you and stay focused. Yeah, I love that because it's it has been your your guiding force has always been your faith, you know, in in yes. my life with all that we've been through since I was born which is a good, you know, 40 plus years. But um even prior to that knowing the roots of it and then seeing I love when the divine energy shows up to give us the answers that we seek, you know, and it, and it, sometimes it comes in the form of no, which then opens another door of where we're truly meant to walk. Right. Yes. But when it does happen that way, and I love that story and you have shared it with me before, and I'm glad we're sharing it with listeners because it is, it is truly walking into who you're meant to be and the determination of knowing it's going to happen no matter what. Like you were, you had a plan B of, of the college that you were in and you were going to still get your education no matter what, even though it might've felt strapped for a while and you might've had to take the three jobs, but then to just share your story with one person and we haven't given much color to your mother and her background and how education was never something in her purview to even just because she's so relational and loves to tell stories was the reason why this opportunity actually came through which i love and i know you know she just passed and and with mother's day you know being around us now she's in our thoughts and prayers and her energy lives through us and all the generations we have True. but True. i love that story of her innocence in that conversation where she's just sharing what's going on, which is always a mother's story, right? Like you're always sharing what's going on with your kids. (laughs) And then look what it led to. (laughs) It's so true. It is so true. And I think also the fact sometimes that you don't understand or I uh, wouldn't understand why I'm majoring in business. My father, I had no idea what business is all about. Never read a newspaper, never wrote a check. It's a field I had no idea about. But if that was the field for my education, I was going to do it. But do you know what? Being that I was a single mom for many years in my life, that was... God's choice or my faith's choice for me so I could stand on my own two feet in the future. So although uh, sometimes we don't understand the why, it's walking in it and believing that there is a purpose behind. Completely, yeah. And it, and it's, it's, it is what guides us forward um, to create the journey that we're on. You know, it, nothing is yeah. set in stone. And it's when you lean into... And this is what I love helping people recognize. It's that when you're leaning into somebody else's story about your life or somebody else's expectation about what should happen for you. Like along this whole path, what you just shared was how your own mother was like, just come home, just come home Mm -hmm. and trying to deter you from your dream to protect you, to love, to not get hurt. And if you listen to that story and didn't pursue who you are meant to be, that would have led to a whole different path. You know, that would have led to a whole different result. And I, and I love that, um, what we have in parallel, because the way I, uh, I tell my story when it was my college years and how, um, and I'm sure because you were right there alongside me going through it, but when I was applying for GW and I put down on the common application, you know, arts, and then business. <laughs> like, I, like, I, like I also didn't know what I wanted to study. And I, and I was like, oh, let's just see what they pick. And they put me in the business school. And they oh. gave me, you know, in that business education that I had through college, which I was fortunate that you were able to afford and make happen, you know, for me and know that, that like, as you raised us to make sure education 
was always something that was invested in. So I'm very fortunate that I came out of my education without debt and um, with a lot of leverage, you know, to build up yeah. my career. Um, it's pretty wild that it, we have that in common too. That we just landed in in business, business. <laughs> and and look how much it has created for us. You know. Yeah, yeah, and I think uh, the. Uh, taking it a step at a time. Sometimes uh, uh, I used to, and I have to say this earlier in my year, an anxiety uh, was a driving force for me. A fear of failure was a drive for me. In my years, as I matured and I had my children came to the United States, which is another story how we ended up in the United States. Um, for me, it had given me tools. I, I had to work in acquiring tools in how to navigate through uh, the, the uh, humongous maybe uh, task in front of me and break it down so it becomes manageable and then prioritize through that what would bring me to the place where I need to be. So be able to uh, not to overwhelm myself. Yeah, overwhelm definitely creates a lot of anxiety in most people. And I do talk about it a lot in my practice as well. And, And having the tools to see the big picture. So as a feminine energy, right? Like as women and and predominantly feminine energy wise, we always are looking at the whole because we're about bringing the tribe together, making sure mm-hmm. our family is protected, making sure that everybody is fed. You know, it's a very feminine energy. And then the business structure generally and the how we do things is the masculine energy that we bring to the table. It's that task breakdown that you just talked about. It's the blinders. When you had the blinders on, that that's the vision you want to go after. And having that integration in order to succeed, it negates the fear because now you have the tools and now you have the vision. And now you're also being authentic to yourself, but then also learning in the process. So let's jump into when you did come to the States because that's when I was born. And yes. <laughs> you, you are the mark of a very historic moment. Yeah. So let's talk about that historic moment, not just my birth, but all the other things that happened. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Where do you want... Uh, what? Uh, well, so when did... Obviously, I know we'll, we'll fast forward through college and then you were engaged and you married my father. And then an opportunity showed up to come to the U.S. So let's go at that point. When, when, what came to the decision of actually coming to the U.S. and okay. also sharing? I would say it would be really great to share is what did you appreciate about that opportunity to come to the U.S. and is there still anything that you question? You know what would it be or what could it have been if you did not come to the U.S.? Well, it's a good question, Karine, because I did not want to come to the U.S. to say, honestly, I had my community in Lebanon. I was content in the success we had over there. Um, I We were living comfortably, a beautiful apartment, uh, expecting a baby. It was a very, very uh, good um, lifestyle. And I, and I did not want to approve that because I was approved. I was, I was, it took me over 10 years to start to feel I belong in a community. Uh, in my youth, it, the childhood affects a lot of the decisions, I think, also, whether it's not meant to the parents, as you said, very graciously, they want to protect, they want to love, etc. But their circumstances from the perception of the children is totally different. They receive it in their own world in a different way. I was a recipient of a lot of discrimination, a lot of alienation because of my Palestinian uh, uh, heritage and being a refugee. Now, that was also a force in giving my children stability, give my children roots. But I married a man who was very ambitious and his company 
um, at that time, business-wise, so lucrative for us being educated, both of us at the in the American system to come to the United States and establish a subsidiary for them. So I didn't want to do it. He wanted to do it. He offered me a trip to the United States uh, as a possibility. So I will be convinced. I went back unconvinced with New York City. It was too overwhelming for me to think I'm going to raise two girls uh, in that environment. I didn't have the tools. I needed safety and security, which is uh, which was high in my in my needs uh, to be met. Yep. Then, then, then I was offered the opportunity to write a contract to put in it everything and anything that would give me that safety and security that I was looking for. So I put a Rolls Royce of a contract out there, hoping. That uh, And I did challenge, I said, if they take one item out, that's our marker that we're not going. So a house, a housekeeper, a car, a driver, a fully furnished home, (laughs) vacations back to the country because it was a three-year contract, uh, all the medical insurance expenses. Uh, This is how much we want net and the gross will be whatever the tax is going to be. So I tried to do the impossible being educated and knowing what the American system is on. They signed the dotted lines. And to me, like, I had no other excuses but to pack my bags and come to the United States. Unbeknownst to us, uh, we entered the United States on February 14, 1975, Valentine's Day. And you were born April 13. And on that day, I called my mother to tell her you were born and they were in shelters before because they uh, a, there was an assassination of the uh, member of parliament of my town and the civil war just started to uh, uh, started its actions in Lebanon. So in one way, I would have, if I had stayed, we would have been in the middle of a 15 year war. The fact that ultimately we were brought here is to me a, an act of faith that we were protected. And I came here and I had you, and we had rows of people come in that were refugees from Lebanon now and from families and friends trying to find how they're going to navigate their own lives. So that was my starting point in the United States is I didn't have a moment to think. We were just, again, readjusting, realigning ourselves. And my parents actually became refugees again uh, because in 1982 they had to come permanently since there was uh, another war with our neighboring country. So that was not safe for them. My mm-hmm. siblings came and they all, uh, the bro- my younger brothers got educated here and our life as a family unit with the extended uncles and aunts were around you girls. So yeah. I guess what I was looking for to stay in Lebanon was provided for me here in the United States. Yeah, and you became the the hub like of of pass through, you know, everyone who came to find some refuge from the civil war and over many years really like stopped through our house and I remember that um, as a young child, how many... I think I used to... I love the image of me just running around with my hands up because I loved getting the hugs and being held and you know, just dancing and you know, the, that spirit of me because yeah. we always had people around. And I don't know, um, those listening, if you've ever been exposed to the true partying nature of the uh, Lebanese culture. And, you know, (laughs) there's always music, there's always food, there's always celebration, even through the hardest times. And I would say that that um, energy, being raised in that energy and being able to find the light through the darkness, right? And the celebration Mm -hmm. when things are hard, it really is about that connection. And I know that that courses through my veins and I try to create that connection with folks too, because that's what matters, you know? And, mm-hmm. and, I'm, and I did learn that at a young age through your journey and how you raised me and, and also 
you know, all the different family members around us as well and how they took advantage of it too and how, how we built connection that way. What's interesting is that if we fast forward a little bit to when I was 18 and I graduated high school, that was actually the first time you took us back to Lebanon. And I remember... And now you go more often, which is really great that you've reconnected in a way. But I remember that trip distinctly because you took my older sister and I. And we went for some time in Lebanon. I think we stopped in Cyprus too, if I remember. Yes, correctly. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, we went Uh, to Cyprus then. I think so. Yeah. And so um, what was really interesting for me at a distance always hearing the stories about it. And I remember even the phone calls that would come, you know, at a younger age of the devastation happening and and is everybody okay? Like there's always this heightened if the phone rang at a certain time and we were getting news from family before the family started to come uh, to the country and and create their roots here. There the you really couldn't conceive the devastation that was happening in the community until we actually took that trip. I remember us going through downtown Beirut and the craters in the ground. Like, I mean, it was straight up like huge holes. The buildings looked like skeletons. There wasn't there wasn't much much around. People were trying to figure out what to do next. And most of the living was happening up um North or south, like further away from actual Beirut, because there was a lot of devastation there. And I'm curious now, right? So that that was when I was 18. We're about 25 years later, you know. And you've gone back and forth so much. What uh, is? How do you connect today to your roots of in Lebanon? And what's your? You know, how do you how do you explain your appreciation for the fact that you were from that part of the world, even though majority of your life now is spent here in the U.S.? I never, I have to say outright, I never lost the connection. I never lost it. It's in my blood. It's in my veins. It's in my heart. It's in my soul. Uh, The place that we are born leaves its impression. There is nothing we can do that will take that away. So having said that, I adapted quite well in the United States and the introduction to the U.S. started over there because the American mission school had a lot of Americans there. So having come to the U.S. and having gone back, if you remember when we were there together, it was my first time also after 15 years of not being able to go. And I remember I videotaped the us and say, oh my gosh, I would take you to a place to show you some memory of my past. And I'd say, oh my gosh, there's tree inside of this building. Oh my God, this is gone. Oh my God, this tree doesn't exist anymore. So to me, physically, it was heartbreaking to see a history that has been part of me has changed drastically. Now going back, the relationship stayed. I stayed with my friends. They, I had made more friends here uh, than uh, I would have dreamt about from Lebanon, from Palestine, from the Middle East. And with the work that I am involved in and have been involved and in being relational and being always uh, in the presence of people of various cultures, that has given me a, an opportunity and a way of life to receive people from there into my, into my uh, life here and also be invited to be there with them. Although I don't have family, I have family of friends. So when I go back there now, I, it's amazing. And I have to give credit to Facebook a little bit. This is not an advertisement. <laughs> it's a tool that brought a lot of my high school friends back into my life. It gathered us. And so it's fun to go back 50 years later in my life and sit with people that I saw uh, in my uh, fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade. And it's like we've never left. So I think um, uh, going back uh, is giving back as well. I, I go back there and see how I can help, I can serve, I can uh, you know, be a bridge builder 
between us here and us there. So tell us a little bit about the, the work you do and how as you... Obviously, you navigated raising us as three very independent women as your true. daughters, uh, leveraging true, true. all the skills that you brought to the table and us learning our own path. And then you you had to explore on your own. You know, once it became uh, empty nesting, right? And mm-hmm. and we got to a certain phase of no longer being home. What was that path like for you? And 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 that journey of what was next? Well, I made I made decisions. I made decisions when I was married that this is going to be a partnership. And this is, and I have a certain responsibilities and a role to fulfill. When I had my daughters, that became a priority in my life. So I have a value system that I follow and it has always been, uh, and I would give that to my dad. My dad has lived his life, but didn't speak a lot, but I watched his choices. And my father put God first in his life. He was a man of faith himself. And then he put his family second. Then the third was the community and fourth was making money. So position and possession were not a driving force for him. They would be an outcome of the value system he had carried. So that value system I implemented in my life. And so by faith, which we discussed, is a driving force in my life. And then putting my family second. So I was aware, even after my divorce, uh, and you were young at the time, you were just in your formative years, I was determined that I'm not going to approach you. These were the driving values for me. I'm not going to uproot you. You're going to stay in the same school you were. I'm going to fulfill my dream for my children to the best of my ability. Now, having defined these as my driving force, I decided to stay single. I decided that I'm going to adapt my business or whatever I do in life to give that a role as a mother, nurturer, a homemaker and a guide to my three children uh, as my priority. So I managed my career, which is uh, in various ways relational, in networking, in fundraising, in all of these as projects. So I could be flexible to be available to my kids and I make my own schedule. So I kept that open-ended for myself. Having said that, I never, uh, the second determination for me was, is that I was not going to tell my kids, this is a boy's role and this is a girl's role. I don't think you girls have heard from me. You cannot do this because you're a girl. And and whatever you wanted to do, I tried to give you the opportunity to try it out. So I wanted to make sure that all your potential has been challenged and then you can pick and choose what you want. So when you chose colleges, the parameters were Boston to Washington because I wanted to be able to raise my family who are still at home, be able to visit and have you come home. And we had the best colleges that you could apply for. So that was the only parameter I put on you. I never directed your careers or what you should educate. I said, I'll pay uh, for your education because I want you to be free afterwards to pursue your... That's the only gift I can give you as inheritance. I used to say that. Yeah. And, and that was my commitment. So my career in life was very much directed by my passion and my love for my children and my family as God has given them to me as a gift to raise as independent, fulfilled adults, contributors to this society and be fulfilled by what they do. So that was my driving force up till I was empty nested. When I was empty nested, I was, my intention was to move to New York City. We were living in suburbs in Westchester. And, uh, and everyone said, you've got to go into the, uh, the corporate world because of my leadership traits and my ability 
to network and coach people in many different ways. But the choice came uh, through also circumstances and relationships and people. I was invited to come to Washington, D.C. to attend a prayer breakfast called the National Prayer Breakfast. Now, I'm mentioning this because it's a networking community. And it is, uh, it's known in the United States as well as around the world, but I knew nothing about it. And my first dinner when I came uh, was two leaders who were together in the same room, yet these two leaders were representative of the conflict that I am a product of. It was uh, Leah Rabin and Yasser Arafat at the dinner, and that was unheard of because they don't, uh, you know, there's a conflict between them. But when I saw they could be together as human beings and have a conversation and be respectful of each other and try to bring um, the people's hearts together, uh, that became kind of a dream of mine from my childhood is I want to participate in that. Then I got invited to move to Washington and be part of it. And so now I am in Washington. I live in Virginia. And uh, and that helped me also because it was my first time ever being single. Uh, because I met my ex-husband in college. So whenever I got my degree, I was to be married. So a year later, I married. And uh, I came to the U.S., uh, uh, and then I became single, but with responsibilities, parents, siblings, and children. So I had to honor that because family comes first. And then when I became really single, I came and participated in, and my house is always full as I a community comes in and out. Um, actually, um, People are uh, so surprised how easy they feel when they come in and they, uh, they even go into the kitchen and put out meals and I'm sitting in my chair watching them doing it. That how family oriented these relationships have become. And they come from China, um, India. They come from the Middle East, Lebanon, Jordan and Europe and uh, East Europe. I mean, from all over the world. Yeah, you really have made a, a around the world connections and and your con- consistent desire to explore and travel also creates new <laughs> homes for you too because what I, yes. I what and I have that same in me and I'm not sure sometimes I say it's because I was uh you were pregnant with me when we moved to the US so like my my body is very rested on an airplane. Um, it's it's super easy for me to hop on a plane and travel also, I feel, because it started so young in utero. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's really great also because I know now in your... And I use my quotation hands, like retirement years, because truly, you know, your relational connection never retires. I mean, that's what life is all about. What I love uh, as your daughter watching you go after the life that you have created for yourself is that you're constantly exploring. Like I know you had a goal of making sure you hit every continent and making yes. sure you explore all these different countries. And um, and it's really cool because every year or so, you know that that you have invitations to actually go and explore new places, and sure. it's. Really it's really awesome to see. One thing I do want to point out because this is a, a Mother's Day, mother, you know, uh, celebrating mothers conversation. I would love for you to share for those mothers who are the CEO of their household, which is really what you have been for many years. Yes. Still not, still not truly retired, even though, you know, we are, um, there isn't like a, the income exchange happening. <laughs> Because <laughs> you provided income for us for so long, but the the um, the the role of that, right? Like it's such an important role, and I feel like it's it's also underappreciated a lot of sure. the time. And sure. so, I would love for you to give a message or share your thoughts of um, how you sustain through the hard times for those CEO moms that are listening. Um, or listeners who are married to CEO moms, you know, what's the what's the voice of encouragement or 
words of wisdom you would share with them? One of the things that has sustained me, kept me uh, with my head up high in any environment I was in is my commitment to the, uh, the institution that brings and nurtures and, um, and support the future generation of our, uh, of our lives. If you want your legacy to continue after you're gone, invest in your children, invest in your home, invest in your relationships. Now you might ask me, yes, but your, you know, your marriage broke down. Yes, it did. It takes two to participate, but that is not uh, the reason why you, uh, as a single mom, it's the value you bring into your household that brings your household successful. I used to say always, I am a CEO of my own household because you're running a corporation. If you consider all the roles that a mother plays within the household for the children, for the spouse, for uh, or a father, let's say, also, there is a coordination. There is uh, projects that it needs to get done. There is uh, there is visions that need to be accomplished. There are strategies that need to be considered. So all of it to work, you've got to have uh, some tools in order to maintain and to nurture. Then with your children, as they are forming their own identity, as they are navigating uh, peer pressure, as they are navigating dating scenes, as they're navigating college, as they're navigating careers, you want to be their cheerleader and also invest in them the value of what it means to be a responsible adult, to be able to leave home and uh, come back as a visitor, as an equal adult, not out of neediness, although that might come about as a stepping stone to growth. And that is very welcome, but you know it's not going to be for life. So having had that in me, I remember Kareem, when I was married and business people would come or I'd go to a conference and I'm the spouse and everybody's handing that business card and that's their identity is the business card and the title they have. And they come to me and out of fun, I'd say I'm a homemaker. And it is so fascinating and was fascinating to me how they turn away from you like you're an idiot. You can't carry a conversation anymore. And they go to talk to somebody else. Now, I have been experienced. I'm a businesswoman. I have all this. But it's fascinating how we value each other. So I have learned to value the human being and be uh, embracing of that person for who they are before I find out what they do. And that, to me, is the continuity of the relationships because I care for the total person and not what I can benefit from them or I can get from them. So, uh, and I think I have instilled that value in my daughters because wherever, whenever I go visit you or your sisters, you always give back. And you're always involved in how I can, uh, you know, with, uh, let's say I'm doing this function, but part of it is going to go to this organization or to that organization. Or I'm like Suzanne being an architect. We're going to build a house for, house for, uh, what is it, for humanity. Um, yeah. Habitat, Habitat for humanity. For humanity. Mm-hmm. Or uh, uh, Nadine, the same thing. So I feel that is where I'm getting my payback is to see you girls caring about others and invested in your own communities and giving back with what you are receiving. Yeah, I mean, you know, being that my the, the last book I launched is Lead with Value, it is really to um, share that structure that has been ingrained in us for so long. It's like, you know, not only understanding what your core values are, but how to create that conversational exchange so that that's what matters when you're trying to create connection or you're trying to grow together. It's not about, 
accomplishments that gives you credibility. But if you really want to have a true connection, the value system does matter and definitely um, has a ripple effect when you're consistent about it. Yes. And the message that I just you know heard you share for our CEO moms who are listening is you you matter, you are of yes. value, you yes. have an amazing skill set to be able to manage all that happens inside um, and around and outside your home coming in and out. Um, and it is totally your path. So embrace it and do it the best way that speaks to you. It's not defined by anyone else. Can I add something to that, Perry? One thing I made sure for myself is keep investing in myself as well. Uh, it doesn't mean you neglect yourself in order to do the other. I stayed doing exercise. I stayed caring about how I look. I, I stayed being education on subjects. I kept investing in me for the future. Because my kids, I knew, will leave me one day and I need to be prepared. So I kept my skill set being sharpened even when I was at home with the kids. So I, this is important, I think, in encouraging those CEOs who are at home. It will, it, you will be moved from CEO to advisory board when they go to college. And once you are on the advisory board, you will become a CEO of some business or passion that you have that you make into a business. So that transition becomes much easier if you don't forget yourself. I love that. That's a great advice. Is there anything that you, looking in hindsight, um, would say you'd want to do differently or would have tried or even maybe said to yourself from what you know today to a past version of yourself? Well, uh, good question. I've said many times, I wouldn't be the person I am today if I had not gone through uh, what I have gone through. So uh, such a hypothetical question would be uh, difficult for me uh, to navigate a word of an answer to. However, having said that, I think if I were to reconsider anything um, or change anything, it would have been... No, I don't. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> Actually, I will stick with mine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Then we'll stick with it. That's awesome. I mean, that's great because that means yeah. that you lived an authentic life for you. Uh, you know, yeah. there, it's not about... And this wasn't a, a regrets question. It's like no. sometimes we come on the other side of something and we just have a different perspective, you know, to, yeah, to it's advise true. on that version of ourselves, you know? Yes. But which means I've learned a lesson. Yeah, that's true. So failure to me is always a lesson. A lesson to, uh, to make my path and myself better or be aware not to fall into that trap again. So self-realization and self-knowledge and self-love gives me and empowers me then to be able to help others in how they uh, or uh, hold. I always tell them I'm holding a mirror so you can see yourself not uh, only how I'm seeing you, but I want you to look at yourself and where you have reached because of that. So yeah. uh, my failures are many. I have regrets maybe on, and I, I maybe, uh, I, I wish I was a perfect mother. I wish I was always, uh, you know, uh, uh, understanding what my children's brace and how they're working. I wish I had limitless uh, ability to yeah. be perfect, you know, which is not real. And no. and so when I go down that va that valley, I will call it uh, of oh, I should have done this with Kareen. I should have done that with Nadine or with Suzanne. And I see them struggling. And maybe if I have changed this, they might not have been, you know, considering this. But I love the people they are today. And right. and then I forgive myself. So 
that is another tool I encourage the CEOs of their household is to learn to forgive themselves because there's no perfection in this world. And that forgiveness gives you a better heart, a better soul to embrace the imperfection that you see around you in your children. I love that. I think it's great advice and, and learning the forgiveness practice definitely help me exponentially grow and really appreciate every moment, every lesson, every phase, you know, as we go through life. And so I love, I love that reminder. Uh, we are coming to the close of our show today. And so I just want to thank you so much for sharing yourself with my listeners, but obviously um, being such a pivotal person in my life and helping me really come to stand into who I am and also the continuous support and encouragement with all that I'm doing. As a mom, I love you and appreciate you. And I really do think you're what I call the OG badass that I know. And I feel like truly like uh, it's indescribable to get to a point in your adult life to appreciate the roller coaster of being raised <laughs> in this household. <laughs> but, but truly, um, for those of you listening, to you know, find the space to, to get to this type of dialogue with your parents. It is something that really brings self-awareness and connection in a way that you know, it's just, it's worth it. So it's part of the journey. It's part of the badass journey and you should go for it. So I, I like to end my episodes, mom, with one final question. Yes. And so that question is, how, what do you define or how do you define the characteristics of a badass? Well, I think the number that immediate uh, is uh, loving yourself. A badass is someone who is present at all times with who or he, uh, she or he is. That to me, that presence, then you are projecting to the rest of the world that self-knowledge uh, and humility. Because with self-knowledge, there's a humility knowing you're not perfect. And badass is not coming from a place of fear, but it comes from a place of grace. It comes from a place of uh, there are things I'm good at, there are other things I need to learn, other things I need support in. And if that is the uh, possibility of engaging all these sides within yourself and projecting that to the people around you, whether they're a spouse, children, or business, I think that in itself brings a ton of feedback of, uh, uh, of uh, productivity, of success, because you are leaning to where your weakness is towards those who are, have that strength. And then you are giving your strength away to those who need your, uh, in their place, not weakness as such, but need support in. Yeah. So so for me, that would be uh, how I would define is, is from the within to the without engagement and be able to ask questions about yourself and how are you appearing to the other? Because sometimes your intentions are good, your heart is good, but uh, you told me several times, Kareem, it's the way you say it, mom. Yeah. And I don't hear myself, but it's the way you receive me because of the way I said it. So I need to also hear it and ask you, how should I and learn better way of communicating? And may I just say one thing, what I appreciate about you specifically, Kareem, is your willingness to come and talk about. Uh, I remember there were times when you kept things to yourself and I kept egging you on, tell me in words, tell me in words, but you took a risk a calculated risk. You came and stayed here and said, mom, we need to figure this out. I need to get your truth on these and I want to give you my truth. And that is what makes a relationship work is that we see each other as who we are today. And we have forgiven the concepts and perceptions 
we have harbored, as all kids do, of their parents. So I want to congratulate you on working on these tools and using them in our relationship so we could have this conversation and many more. I, I appreciate that. And it has been an awesome journey. And my favorite thing about this whole conversation is how many times you said badass. Only because <laughs> <laughs> growing up, we could never say the word ass. It was always a but, 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 not an ass. <laughs> so just another another little win for me in this moment is that I made my mom say ass many times. Anyway, thank you everybody for listening today. Thank you so Sorry, much. Sorry, listeners. <laughs> listeners. <laughs> it's all good. Thanks for being uh, listening today, and thanks for being part of the show, Mom. And I will will be seeing you in the next episode. Thank you, everybody. Thank you for joining me today. Before you move on to the next episode, please post a review or share this episode with someone you think would appreciate it. Your feedback and support mean everything to me. For more information, check out yourbadassjourney.com or kareenwalsh.com. I truly believe everyone is capable of living a badass life. Thank you for listening. <laughs>